and amen. Well, as you're giving, just go ahead and open your Bibles to Malachi, the first chapter, and uh, we're going to finish off a series today that uh, we started at the beginning of this month, a series called A Culture of Honor. We've just been having a great time talking about how important honor is and how honor is, is, is kind of the attractive, the gravity part of relationships and how God's called us to honor one another uh, and he's called us to honor him. And so we've been talking about that this month and been having a really awesome time doing that. And I want to cap off that, that message today by really calling us today that this would not be just a, a, a title to a series, but it would be something that we actually cultivate in our church, and that is a culture of honor. In fact, I want to I call us back to be a people who are a people of honor today. That's what God did in the book of Malachi. In fact, Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6, if you don't know where it is, it is the last book of the Old Testament. Some people think he was Italian, they call him the prophet Malachi. But no, it's actually Malachi, okay? Malachi chapter 1 and, and verse 6. And the Lord is calling the people of God back to honor. And look at what it says here. It says, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect that I deserve? You've shown contempt for my name. And you know what had happened here in the nation of Israel is, is that the priests, especially the leaders, the ones who were supposed to set the example, had kind of just gotten kind of familiar with God. They had kind of brought God down to a level where they weren't honoring him as who he deserved to be honored. We talked about that this last week. How many of you know God is a great God? I mean, he's an awesome God. He spoke the world into existence. He's, he, he stretched out his hands and created the heavens and the earth. There's nothing too difficult for God. And God said, the, those that honor me, I will honor. And, and the Lord has always desired and, and wanted the honor of his people, not because he's a megalomaniac and has to be honored, but God wants to bless us. And he says, if you'll honor me, I'll honor you. And I want to teach you this principle because if you honor me, then also you're going to honor other people. And so God is, is calling them back. And what had happened here is that is one of the ways that the, the Israelites were not showing honor, the priests were not showing honor, is, is when they brought their offerings to the Lord, you know, they just they, they were supposed to bring the best of their offerings. But if they had a, a lame animal or a blind animal, they would bring that to the Lord. And God said, you wouldn't even give that kind of gift to your governor. You're just bringing just whatever you want to. And it just demonstrates this, this idea. But also, he said to them, they're, they're doing this with bitter and fault-finding attitudes. In other words, the attitude they're worshiping God with was, was wrong. How many of you know that attitude really matters? I mean, it really matters to God. It really matters in our home. It matters everywhere that we go. And so what they were doing is, is that not only were they just kind of being lax in how they, they honored the Lord, but they had this kind, of, this kind of rotten attitude in their heart. And you've got to think about where this is in the history of the nation of Israel. Because this is the last book in the Old Testament, and it prophesies the birth of Christ. In the last chapter, the Bible says that the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in His wings. 
And that is a reference of Jesus who, as he stretched out his, his cloak, and even as the woman touched the hem of his garment, there was healing in his wings. That this was a reference to Christ, that he was coming. And Malachi prophesied the next Elijah, who was John the Baptist. So this book, it, it, it tells us that Jesus is coming. And so think about what's going on in the heart of God in this situation. He is about to send to the earth his best. He is about to send Jesus Christ to the earth. That's what's the next thing that's going to happen. There's 400 years of silence before it happens. But the next thing on God's agenda is that he's going to send his son. He's going to come himself into fleshly form into this earth and die on the cross for our sins. And when he looks down at his people, their attitude toward him is just, yeah, okay, you know, it's okay. It's just God, you know, it's just, it's just the temple, you know, it's just our worship. It, it's not a big deal. And then they didn't, they didn't worship God from the heart. Look at what the Lord said to them in chapter 2. He said, I, the Lord all-powerful, have something else to say to you priests. You'd better take seriously the need to honor my name. Otherwise, when you give a blessing, I will turn it into a curse. In fact, really what the, the issue is that they were already, they'd already been cursed. Because, notice these next three words, you've not taken to heart your duties as priests. And so really, what, what the Bible is talking about and what, what God's trying to say here is that really, honor is a matter of the heart. It's an issue that has to begin in the heart. I want to illustrate what I'm talking about. I want to introduce you today to a man that I've met that I was so moved when I met him. When we were in Israel, we were privileged to visit the town of Haifa, which is right now, they're having some problems with fires there. And please pray for that, that town. They think maybe it's a terror activity that's a lot of flames and things happening in the town. But the ministry that we went on this tour with, they run a, a retirement center for Holocaust survivors. And so we went and visited there and we sat down and listened to an 88-year-old Polish man who's a Holocaust survivor. His name is Yakov. And I want you to see Yakov this morning. This is Yakov. And he, he talked to us for about 15 or 20 minutes. And he began to tell us about when he was around 10 years old, they began to hear planes flying over his village. They didn't have water or electricity in their village, and so they never knew what an airplane looked like. And so they thought for sure war had come, and they were hiding everybody but his brother. And his brother went out to see the planes, and his brother was killed. And then he began to tell about how for three years he was shipped to Siberia, and he lived in a, 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 a ghetto which is, was a horrible, horrible existence. He froze, to, he froze a lot of time. He didn't have enough clothing. He didn't have enough to eat. He told about the atrocities of his life, and he shared all of this to an interpreter. And we sat there just, just stunned and amazed. And, 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 and some of, the, some of the, the folks that live in this, in this retirement center, uh, they, they were there just, just sharing, and they had such great hearts and great attitudes. And and so we listened to him share his story of the hardship and the things that he suffered and the people that he lost and the difficulty that he went through and how he had to, he had to go steal food to survive and so many things that he shared just as a 10-year-old boy. 
And so when he got finished, he had a dentist appointment. And so he's shuffling his way around. He walked around by me. And so I just couldn't help it. I was on the end of the row. And I stood up. And I just reached out. And I hugged Yakov. And he kissed me on both my cheeks. But I just had to do it. You know why? Because I honor that man right there. I don't hold him in light esteem. I recognize that the suffering of his life means something. And so, you know what, it was just a gesture kind of for me. There were like 30 of us in the group, and I almost felt like kind of like, you know, I was the group representative, you know. Because I think everybody wanted to hug the old guy, you know. He just, I mean, he was so sweet. And everybody just wanted to show honor to him. And so, you know, I just, I just had to stand up. I just had to hug this guy and just appreciate him. And everybody was clapping. It was just a great moment. But as I was thinking about honor, I thought about, you know, that was just a small thing that I could do to honor somebody. But you know what? It, it came right out of my heart. It wasn't something that, that you know, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I just, I, I have to do this. You know, that, that's the thing about serving God is if we really are feeling like this is an obligation, then we've missed something somewhere. If we just feel like, you know, I got to do this. This is, this is, I'm not saying there aren't times we discipline ourselves in our walk with God, but for the most part, serving God and, and showing Him honor and, 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 and demonstrating honor to Him and demonstrating honor in the relationships that we have shouldn't be obligation. It should be, it should be, it should flow from us. I mean, you know, just imagine if, if when you get married, you know, you just have to commit that here's what, you know, okay, three times a week I'm going to hug and kiss my wife. I'll agree to that. I'll sign that if I have to. How many of you know if that's the deal, you miss something somewhere? Lord help you. Get down the altar when the service is over. We'll pray for you, all right, because something ain't right. But see, there, there, there's got to be this idea. So, so what would happen, what would it look like in our lives if in every area we just had this culture of honor? That's what I'm calling us to today. As a people, as a church, I'm calling us to a culture of honor. I think in our relationship with Jesus is where it would, would begin that, that everything in our life would start with him, that he would be first. The first thing in the morning, I'm getting into the Word and I'm praying. I'm not, my first thing is not, I want to check my Facebook status and see how many likes I got on what I posted last night. My first thing is not to click on Fox News and see what's happening in the world. My first thing is not whatever thing is out there in front of me. My first thing is, Jesus, I want to put you first. Because I honor you and you're critical in my life. And, and I think giving him the first, like we talked about last week, that the tithe belongs to Jesus. That that would transform our life because we're saying, Jesus, I want you to know that I honor you. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have any of these other things. I think it would impact our relationship with Jesus. I think in our homes, it would impact our, our families because we'd begin to speak and treat each other better. I don't know how many of you at Thanksgiving, you had to go and sit down with that person that you can't stand. There's probably none of y'all here. That's all second service people. But how did you treat them? 
how do we, we demonstrate that honor? You see, that's, that, that, that's the important thing. And, and, and how, we treat, you know, how we treat each other, how we treat our spouses is important. You know, I heard a story the other day about this couple, and they were, you know, they were just always at one another, just arguing all the time. I mean, just they'd been fighting for a long time, and, and they were just always, you know, at each other's throat. And, and so uh, they decided they were going on this trip, and they were driving along, and, and the husband looked over, and he saw some donkeys and pigs in the field. And so he thought, I'll get her, you know. So he says, hmm, look, relatives? She said, yeah, in-laws. So, <clears throat> so, so I'm just going to tell you, you don't want to get in that fight, okay? You're going to lose, right? But, you know, honor, honoring in, in our relationship at work. Let me tell you how you honor at work. You should work to make your superior successful. That's what you do as a believer, as you say, I'm, I'm, I'm here to make you successful. I'm here to bless you. I'm here to be the best employee in the place because I want to work hard as unto the Lord. And so we honor people and we don't stand around and, and yak about our superiors and gossip. And show up late and leave early. Come on, somebody. Believers ought to be the best employees. They ought to be clamoring to hire Christians. In public, we ought to show honor. You know, I, I love it. I, I, uh, the last time I went to a Saints game, I did not enjoy the outcome of the game, okay? But what I did like is that they came over the loud system and they said, please stand, remove your hats, and honor of the national anthem. And so we did. We stood up. In the open our section, we put our hand on our heart and we sang the national anthem. Some people in my section couldn't sing either. But it didn't matter. And the rockets, red glare. You go ahead, redneck, sing it, baby. Come on with it. That's all right. Did you ever go to a game, you see, you know, it's in people, you know, they got their hat on, eating a hot dog, they're spitting seeds, they, you know, they, they, they're, not even, they're not even attuned to what's happening. I just think we need to be people that give honor, right? So if we're going to honor each other, what we can see from this idea is if we're going to honor the Lord, we're going to honor each other, we're going to have this, this culture of honor in the home, the church, the workplace, in our daily life, then we're going to need to have a heart makeover. A heart's got to be right. So go to Proverbs chapter 4 with me, if you will. And I just want to read just seven verses here that I think are really critical about having our heart in the right place. I think we need to end this series about honor getting down to the heart. You know that Jesus, whenever he addressed something, especially when he addressed something out of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, he always made it a matter of the heart. You know, he said, you know, you, you say don't commit adultery. I say don't lust in your heart. You say don't murder. I say don't even hate your brother. In other words, Jesus brought everything down to the, this heart issue. And really, he raised the bar. People say, well, you know, when you come under grace, you don't have all the restrictions of the old covenant. Really, Jesus raised the bar. Because he said, now it's not just about what you're doing out here. In the world, it's about what's going on on the inside. That's what you got to deal with, is what's in the heart. And so Proverbs, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 20, 
The writer says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity and keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Now, the central idea of this passage, of course, is verse 23. Above all guarding. In other words, <clears throat> more than you guard anything else in your life, guard your heart. Because everything that you do comes out of your heart. And I, I just got to be honest with you. <clears throat> One of the things I've been concerned about is sometimes I see believers and they're struggling in their walk with God and their relationship with other people because they've got something wrong in their spirit. Something has gotten a hold of them. Something has gotten into their heart. And, and when that happens, you begin to see issues and problems and things that start to happen in all of the relationships because you got something in your heart. You're not, you're not clean in your heart. And when you read verses 22 and 23 together, what you see is that Jesus, or, or this writer says in Proverbs, that, that the man's health is related to his heart being right. Okay, because verse 22 talks about the words of God, they're, they're good for a man's whole body. So guard your heart. So many of you know that, that your health, your physical health is related to you having a right heart. In fact, the Bible says I would that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. In other words, our, our health is, is, is critical. And so when, when you bring those two together, you have to deal with the subject of forgiveness. Everybody just say that word, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Point number one of keeping our heart right is this. Number one, we have to forgive whatever has affected our spirit. You got to forgive. You say, well, you know, I, I'm not sure that I can. Or, or, or I need help to forgive. Listen, Jesus said, forgive. That's enough. That's enough. Well, well, Pastor, how, how much do I have to forgive people? You just don't know how much they've done and how they've hurt me and all the things they've done. It's simple. You only have to forgive other people as much as God has forgiven you. That's all. That's all. That's all. It's real simple. That's what the Bible says. Forgive in the same way that you've been forgiven. And so whatever has affected your spirit, why? Because if you want to stay strong in your walk with God, you're going to have to keep Un, you're going to have to keep bitterness out of your spirit. I've seen a lot of people get sidetracked in their walk with God because they got something in their spirit and bitter at somebody. And then, and, and then they begin to fall away. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 14, a healthy spirit conquers adversity. But what can you do when your spirit's crushed? And so... There has to be this, this, this thing in your life that says, I want to keep my spirit and my heart clean. That, that, because my spirit is going to help me overcome adversity. You know, I just very quickly looked up 
some research about, about how bitterness impacts our health. Don't you love it when science finally catches up with the Bible? And here's a, an, an article from, a, from an egghead somewhere. Let's see, he's um, some California place, Concordia University. And it says, in the study, Concordia University researchers examined the relationship between failure, bitterness, and quality of life. Persistent bitterness may result in global feelings of anger and hostility that, when strong enough, could affect a person's physical health, said psychologist Dr. Karsten Walsh. In his research, Rosh examines why some people avoid bitterness at different stages of life and why others don't. Over the last 15 years, Rosh has investigated how negative emotions such as regret or sadness affect people. Most recently, he's focused his attention on the impact of bitterness. Rosh and his co-author, a doctoral student, single out failure as one of the most frequent causes of bitterness. Feelings of anger and accusation are often found with bitterness. Unlike regret, which is about self-blame, in the case of woulda, coulda, shoulda, Acrimony points the finger elsewhere, laying the blame for failure on external causes. When harbored for a long time, bitterness may forecast patterns of biological dysregulation. What he means is, you're going to get sick. I love it when science catches up with the Bible, don't you? The Bible says, a merry heart doth good like a, a medicine. When your heart is right, then things will go, go well with you. And so... The enemy knows that he can get you off track physically, he can get you off track emotionally, get you off track spiritually if something gets in your heart. And that's why he really works to divide you or to, to get you to, to operate in bitterness or to not make things right. You know, years ago, uh, John Bevere wrote a book called The Bait of Satan, and, and he talked about this thing called the monkey trap. And if you, haven't, if you haven't been exposed to this, you need to know this principle because it's important. And there's a country where they build these monkey traps and, and they build, they build this, this trap out of bamboo or whatever. And on the inside is a banana and they have a hole in the side of it. It's just, just big enough for the monkey to get his hand through. But when he grabs the banana and tries to pull it back, he can't get his hand out with, because he's got the banana in his hand. And so what will happen is these monkeys go up to this trap, they reach in for the banana, and when they try to get away, they, when they try to pull it out, they can't. And they see the people coming and they won't let go of the banana. They're so, they so want to get that banana that they just sit there and they pull against it like that and the people are able to run up and throw a net over them and catch them. You know why they catch them? Because they won't let it go. Everybody say, let it go. And there's some of us that we got junk in our heart. And I'm telling you, some of it's from years gone by. Some of it's from this past week. I don't know where it's from. But whatever it is, it is the banana in your hand. And the devil is coming to you, and he is trapping you, and he is keeping you from being everything God's called you to be. But you won't let it go, and you just keep on because you're going to hold on to that banana. Bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping it will kill the other person. And what is happening is it's killing you. And so what you've got to do is you've got to say, God, I let it go. I forgive. And you say, well, Pastor, some people in the world, I can't forgive. It doesn't matter. You don't have a choice. Jesus told you to. He said, well, I don't feel like it. Listen, feelings follow choice, not the other way around. Maybe, you know, if you only go to work when you feel like it, you're going to be broke and unemployed. 
You better feel, you better go whether you feel like it or not. And so you choose, you say, I forgive in Jesus' name. You know, I, I, I don't like them. Lord, I don't feel like it. You know, God can handle that if you tell him that. He's not in heaven going, oh, I'm appalled. You just say, God, it's not, I don't, I'm not there in my emotions, but I choose. I forgive and put their name in the blank. And every time that emotion comes up, I forgive and put their name in the blank. And every time it comes up, you say, I forgive. It's a choice and act of your will. That's what God requires of you. And I'll tell you what will happen. You do that enough times, and the forgiveness of God will fill your heart for that person. And what you're unable to do in your own emotions, God will give you the ability to do and sometimes even relationships can be reconciled as a result of that. But you have to make that choice to do that. Can I tell you that knowing how to do that has rescued me in my walk with God. And there have been times in my life when I had to do that every day for three or four years. So I'm not talking about kindergarten, oh, he hit me, I'm sorry. No, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about, oh, they sang my solo in the choir. We're not talking about little things like that. We're talking about stuff that is, creates emotions that you don't know if you'll ever get over again. Come on, somebody. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about you exercising your place, your, your goal, your will as a believer to say, I am going to choose to forgive. You know, right, right now in the church, there's some, there's some people that just can't forgive people that voted for Trump with his past and there's other people that can't forgive people that voted for Hillary because of her past we just all need to forgive each other and move on let's have big forgiveness in the church see the writer of Proverbs is telling us that you, you, you got to work diligently at keeping your heart clean don't just carry around stuff. Don't just, well, you know, I just, I'm bad at this and mad at that. And I, because all that stuff gets in your heart and it pollutes your spirit. You, you know, you, you ever talking to somebody and, you know, you just, you, you think you're having a normal conversation and all of a sudden, like, yeah. Or maybe that, maybe you do that. I woke some of you up right then. I saw that. You woke up. <laughs> Welcome back. We're having church. How y'all doing? Uh, you're in a tryptophan coma, and I woke you up. Maybe sometimes you do that. And you're having a conversation, all of a sudden, hey, here, there, gun, you, where did that come from? There's something in the heart. That's an indicator, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, you got to work hard at this. And then, Verse 25 of the same, the same passage says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. You know, the other thing you got to do if you're going to be honoring toward people, we're talking about being honoring now toward God and toward people, is you got to filter what's coming in. Listen, pay attention to God's word and not all the noise that's going on out there. We've allowed our lives to become bombarded with noise. You know, TV, social media, the internet, all this stuff. It's really difficult to keep a clean heart when you are always meditating on everybody else's opinion about everything that's going on in the world. 
The Bible talks about that. You know the Bible talks about that? In 1 Timothy 5.13, Paul said this. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. That sounds to me like social media. You don't have to go house to house anymore. You're in everybody's house. You just, there I am, huh? you know, I'm doing, you're live. We get live at Thanksgiving right here. We're live now on Facebook. I'm on the back porch clipping my fingernails. Nobody cares. Please stop posting that. You know what a busybody is? A busybody person who is too interested in the private lives of other people. <laughs> Can I just say we've become technological busybodies? Way too interested in the lives of other people. And, and, and then when they express their opinions about issues, then that begins to dominate our feelings and that affects our heart and, and our ability to, to relate to them. Do you get where I'm coming from? So you've got to filter what's coming in. You've got to begin to cut out some of the noise if it's beginning to affect your life and beginning to affect your heart and beginning to affect the way that you feel. And you can't be at peace because there's always something stirred up. There's always an issue. There's always, you can imagine Bible days, people running around from this house to that house and talking about this person and that person. Who thinks this about that and all the other? And it's just stirring up dissension. And when they come together in the body of Christ, they're all looking at each other because they've all been talking. There's under rumblings and all this. And, Tim, and Paul says, we got to shut this down. Don't, don't let this happen because when this begins to happen, it, 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 it undermines the unity of the body of Christ. And we want to be honoring toward each other. And so let's don't be dishonoring in the way that we do things. And I, I've said this many, many times, and I, I, I urge you, please, as a follower of Jesus Christ and a member of this church, please don't air your dirty laundry on social media in front of people. Just don't do that. Don't do it. Just don't. Just don't. Because it's, it can be so divisive. Why is it divisive? Because words are only 7% of communication. 93% is the tone of voice and, and your facial expression and, and how, and so, and so you can be so easily misunderstood just by the words that you write. So we have all this misunderstanding that's happening in, out there in this, in this technical generation, and we need to just filter that, not, not let it come into our lives as much so that we can keep our heart right. The Phillips translation of Romans 12, 16 says, Live in harmony with each other. Don't become snobbish, but take real interest in ordinary people. Don't become set in your own opinions. I'm right, and I know I'm right. How you know? Because I know. Hmm. The only person that said that hadn't lived long enough. Don't get set in your own opinions. That's divisive. Be open. This leads directly to my final point, and that is filter what's going out. Seems real simple, doesn't it? 
But the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Look at what Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. So I just want to be heard. I just want to air my opinions. And, and something that's just, listen, let me tell you what the reality of this. Something that's just a feeling or a thought or even a fleeting thought, when you speak that thing, you bring life to it. The power of life is in the tongue. So I just may have a fleeting thought, but all of a sudden... I say it, and when I say it, it's out there. And maybe it wasn't even an issue, but somebody else agrees, and they have that feeling. They add on to it, and, and now it becomes something that is huge. That's why Paul says, that's why James in 3 5 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. But just a little spark you know i was watching that that bastion of theological truth the andy griffith show the other day <laughs> hallelujah i got i got inspired watching andy because aunt b and her friend were in the were in the were in the uh, uh store and andy came by to get a little powder for barney because he had a cut on his finger and they started gossiping and calling one another in town. And they started calling each other. And by the time they got done, Barney was dead. They had Barney dead. You know, it went from he cut his finger to he cut his leg to they had to cut his leg off and he was dead. So, you know, the mortuary guy, he comes by. He takes his hat off. Andy, I'm so sorry that Barney's dead. Barney comes out of the back room and looks at him. Barney, you're alive. He says, I sure am. I'm well and alive. So... They start ribbing Aunt B and all of her friends. And so Aunt B said, I'm going to get them back. So Aunt B started a little rumor about a shoe salesman that was in town. Because she said men can gossip as bad as women can. How many of you women? Never mind. I won't give you a chance to say amen. So they got word around this shoe salesman was really a talent scout. So everybody that went, he couldn't sell any shoes. He was a terrible salesman. But they all lined up at his door. And everybody that went in to buy a pair of shoes took their instrument with them. Barney played his harmonica. Some other guy brought his kid with his, with, his, uh, with his saxophone. And they'd go in and sing for him. And he sold 62 pair of shoes. When he left, he said, thank you. I thought I was washed up as a shoe salesman. But I'm encouraged now. I'm going to keep going. I sold 62 pair of shoes. And he said, how did we get that all wrong? And he looked over at Aunt B and she's just smiling at him like this. What a great forest fire starts from a spark. Just one little thing and we give life to that. So we need to be cautious about what comes out of our mouth. In fact, the psalmist David said, Lord, help me set a guard over my mouth. So why do we need to come back to honor? Because honor, just like Dishonor divides. Honor is the gravity in relationships. You know, one of the things that, that just blesses me so much is practically every week as I'm standing at the door and people are, are leaving, they're saying to me, man, we love this place. We love this church. We, we love it here. We, we, we are so excited. We're going to be back. I'm just People tell me this is our second time, our fifth time. We're going to be back. And because we love it here. You know one of the reasons that they love it here is because they come into an atmosphere where they feel honored. 
We, we believe in honoring one another. We believe in honor, and I honor the team. We honor our guests every week. We honor people when they walk through the door. We honor them. We bless them. We honor people all through Growth Track. Why do we do that? Because it's important for us to have that culture of honor. People want to go and be in a place where they feel like somebody cares that I'm here, somebody loves me. They're not, they're not here to judge me and tear me down or try to look into my life and figure out what's wrong with me. They're here to build me up and to strengthen me. Why is that important? Because this is the place where people's lives are changed. And you are an important part of that. See, just because we have greeters doesn't mean that you're not a greeter. Everybody's a greeter. And you're going around and telling people, we're so glad you're here and we appreciate you. And when you do that and you honor people, what happens is you create an atmosphere where people want to be. And the reason that's important is because this is where, where people's lives are changed. Now, one of the things that I remembered as I was thinking about this was a young lady who came to our church really through a set of circumstances that she had an issue in her life and she said, God... If you'll heal me of this issue, I will go to church. And she went back to the doctor. They couldn't find the cancer anymore in her body. And so she came to church here. But here's the deal about her life. She had been a victim of human trafficking. And when you've been a victim of people that you put your trust in and they betrayed that trust over and over and over and over again, it's very difficult to ever trust anybody again. Because you begin to believe that every human being has an agenda for you and is going to abuse you. And so she came here to this church and felt honored and felt glad to be a part of this church for many months and got so turned around and healed that she actually began to go back and minister to trafficking victims herself. Why does it matter that we honor people? That's why it matters. Why does it make a difference what your attitude is and how you treat people? That's why it matters, because you never know. Can I tell you something? You don't know who's walking through that door. You have no idea. Sometimes we get caught up in our world and we think, what's going to happen for me when I go to church today? Or I just need to get there because I've got to figure out how to get everything right and wear the right thing. To... Listen, it ain't about any of that. We never know when we get here the way we treat somebody else and minister to somebody, love somebody, and honor somebody. We may be affecting, in fact, we are definitely affecting people's lives for eternity. That's why honor matters, church. That's why it makes a difference. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for that. I'm so glad I'm in a place where that can happen, that you don't come in here on Sunday morning looking like you've been drinking pickle juice for breakfast. But you see, that's why we've got to hear sermons like this, because we've got to make sure the heart's right. There's no bitterness that, that people, when they're around us, they just say, man, those people, they're just clean. they got clean hearts. You know, they don't, there's no agenda. They're not mad at one another. You know, when you go in somebody's house, you, they don't have to put a sign in the yard, we've been fighting, y'all, be careful, okay? <laughs> you know it, don't you? You walk in, you feel it in the air. Boy, they've been fighting, and you can see the way they're treating one another. And that's the way some people feel when they go into some churches. But you see, when people walk in here, they sense the love of God, and they... They, they, they sense that compassion and that, that excitement, and that joy, and that this is a life-giving place. And what a difference that makes. That's why what you do, the attitude you have, your clean heart, you guard in your heart, you guard what comes out of your mouth, that's why it's important. That's why it matters. Because people's lives, eternal differences, is hanging in the balance. I want us just to bow our heads for a moment. 
So I believe there are people in this service today that if you had to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ in the next few moments, you're not quite ready to meet him. And I'm just asking that no one move around unless you're going to a ministry position right now. Just everybody, just still. And this is just a time for you to think just between you and God right now. Maybe you've been around a church and around religious stuff and people. And you know about God, but you don't know God. I want to invite you today to know God. I want to invite you today into a personal relationship with Christ. I want to invite you today to come back to Jesus. Maybe you, you did. Maybe there was a time when you did know the Lord, but you say, right now I'd have to say, Pastor, I'm away from God. And you want to come back to God today. Then I want to pray for you. Whether you've never known Christ, you've never had a personal relationship with Him, you've been religious, you've known religious things, but you've never known God, I want to pray for you. Or you say, Pastor, I, I, I do. I have known God in the past, but now I'm away from God and I need to come back to Him. Either way, I want to pray for you. And here's the thing I'm going to do today. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or stand by yourself today. This is between you and God. If that's you and you'd say, you know what, that's me. I want you to pray. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer just right there where you are today. If you say, that's me, I need to get right with the Lord today or I need to come to Christ today. Would you just slip your hand up, just raise it up high where I can see it. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Thank you right here. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Thank you. God bless you. Over there, I see that. Who else? Thank you. God bless you. Who else? We're going to pray in just a moment. Anybody else? Just before we pray, you said, that's me. I just want to get things right with the Lord today. I, I need to come to Christ, receive Him as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Then I want us to stand together. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask everybody to pray aloud to encourage those who've lifted their hand today. You know what prayer is? Prayer is simply communicating with God, which means talking to God and listening to God. And today I'm going to help you talk to God. I'm just going to give you some words to communicate what's going on in your heart. I'm so glad there are people in this place today who are saying, I want to get right with God. I want to, I want to come to Jesus and give my life to Him. You know what? He won't turn you down because not only did I see your hand, He saw it and He's the one that matters. So I want everybody to pray aloud right now. This is our greatest time of the week right now. We prayed for an hour yesterday in this place for this service and for people to come to Christ. So. We're so excited with you. We rejoice with you today. Would you pray this prayer with me now? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me and that he rose from the dead. And today I receive him as my Savior and as my Lord. From this moment on, I will serve you the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise and thanks. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus.
We serve a mighty God. Now, everybody, just stay where you are for the next few moments. I have some instruction for you. Our prayer team is making their way to the front of the auditorium right now. It could be that today, while I was preaching, some things begin to stir in your heart and God begin to deal with you about some attitudes and some things where you need to forgive some people. You need to come and let somebody pray with you and help you to make that step of walking in forgiveness and getting your heart clean. The Bible says he that has clean hands and a pure heart can ascend the hill of God. In other words, can have that right relationship of honoring the Lord. So I want to invite you today. If you want someone to pray with you about that, I want to, I want to encourage you. Get down here and, and pray and let somebody pray with you to help you to walk in that. Maybe you lifted your hand and said, I want to commit my life to Christ today. We want to help you in that walk with Jesus. I want to encourage you to come over to our Fresh Start area. It's over to your right. Our team is already in place. We have a free gift for you. And uh, we just want to help you in your walk with Christ. We want to pray with you. Maybe you have a need in your life that you'd like somebody to pray with you and just help you in walking every day with Jesus. Then we want to do that. How many of you have been glad to be in God's house today? Has it been wonderful to serve the Lord and to honor Him? Amen.